and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is The Social Network, directed by David Fincher, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing mighty fine. I'm thinking about launching a startup, you know, you know how it yeah. goes. So. Yeah. Well, you live close enough, I mean. I'm also joined today by Juzo Greenwood. Juzo. Juzo, how are you doing? Uh, very good. Thanks for having me, Cameron. I'm always excited to talk about this movie. I've probably seen it about a dozen times. So, yeah. Mm, mm. Well, um, first and foremost, we have to address the the large elephant in the room. Okay, I know we hate on Godard. I know it's a uh, it's you know it's a terrible terrible thing that we do here. We're such critics, but Godard did pass away. Um, and you know, in some ways he was, he, I'm not going to say that I love him now <laughs> or anything, you know, but it, it, he did leave a certain, uh, mark on, on film history. So, you know, um, had to, had to shout him out. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Who are we talking about? I don't even Godard. know who we're talking about. <laughs> Godard. <laughs> oh our first, our first episode. Remember Breathless? <laughs> this is what oh, gets us right, all canceled right, right. eventually. Yeah. Sorry, I I mean I sorry I don't I don't know directors' names like Goddard. I, you guys want to talk about George Lucas? That guy's not dead yet, though. So. No, no, he's he's still, he's still alive. He's making yeah. projects for himself. You know, he's sure got to come out. He he has to he has to like come out and do something again. You know, get on I, I get would, on that horse. I would be first in line. I don't care how terrible it is. I would love to see a new George Lucas movie. I'm just saying, Star Wars based on the hero's journey. And I think he's in the dark night of the soul part of uh, of the hero's journey of his own hero's journey, you know. And he needs to he need what's what's the next part after that? It's like you you uh, you you come through the dark uh, the dawn on the other side or whatever. He needs oh, to sure. he needs yeah. to do that and break through and and make something good again. You know? I feel I don't think he ever will. I I honestly think <laughs> that like if I if I were George Lucas, I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm done. Yeah, you know, no, I I, um, I kind of agree. He he's got a lot of money, but he should he should just do something. If he's he he was burned, he was burned by by fans. But I think he'd be accepted now. Uh, yeah, he should I, make know, Red I, Tails too. I <laughs> I should see Red Tails. I never saw it. Uh, you know, I I have been thinking about creativity and the connection that it has with work. Obviously, with this movie, you know, um, that we watched this week and. I, I've been, I, I've heard some advice recently where it's like, you got to do it cause you love it. You know, we do this podcast because we love doing it. It's not because we have, uh, a huge audience or anything like that. Right. Um, it just makes me wonder, you know, like doesn't, doesn't Lucas, um, like making movies? I would hope maybe he's just, maybe he just I, doesn't. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I don't I, think he does. <laughs> I've yeah, always been like, just, does. I've been amazed by people that like, are like, you know what? I'm just done. You know, like I'm just, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, it's, it's shocking to me. Like, especially I know a lot of people who are like in music or play music stuff. And it's like, they literally sell every guitar they own. They're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm done. And I was like, but, but would, would, don't you like playing that thing? <laughs> Isn't that kind of fun to you? You know? Um, I think he never liked directing really. Um, mm. I think he always was annoyed by directing. I was more interested in sort of like the the technical and like producing side of things. I don't think he really ever wanted to direct, but 
So my mission no, was did. successful to change to ch- to change the topic off a uh, French director into another <laughs> conversation about George Lucas. So I hope I just destroyed and upset most uh, film film nerds. But I guess I'm sorry for the guy that made uh, the boring black and white movie we watched at the beginning. So um, you know, <laughs> I you know I, to be honest, to be honest, I do want to hear Juzo's um, uh, thoughts because I could tell you guys were snickering about. Godard and and having a side conversation when I joined the call. So, uh, well, we've what always is, been, what does his death mean to you? You know, well, I mean, he we've always been very mixed on his movies. the The actual experience of watching them is not really uh, to me. I don't get much out of them personally, but um, he definitely was. I mean, you definitely could make the case he was possibly the most significant, important director. Alive at the time of his passing, other maybe Scorsese or Spielberg, but um, his his um, impact on the medium of film is undeniable. I just think there, and there's a lot of cases like this where there are movies that have incredible historical impact that I just don't myself enjoy. Um, though I'm in, in a way, I'm a little curious to like dive into a few more of those early Godard movies. Maybe maybe I'll be able to find something that I actually like really enjoy. Um, but his his um, his impact on on film and the, and the whole the French New Wave's impact on um, film as a whole and sort of breaking down the norms of cinema and the um, the sort of um, I, I don't know it, I think film was a little bit kind of um, trapped in a, a sort of formal uh, overly formal quality that that was sort of broken up by people like Godard and his contemporaries and made a little bit more you know more handheld more gritty more real. Um, and I, I, I enjoy a lot of the films he influ- that they influence, I think more than his films themselves, but, um, you know, I, you certainly have to respect that. And also, frankly, as much as I was not crazy about the movies he was making as an old man, I mean, anyone who's still making, we're talking about Lucas, how he's given up directing, um, he's a much younger man. Uh, John luc Godard was, you know, 88, 90 years old. I think he was still, he might've been working on movies, you know, just this year. He's still working so I, I respect people like him and clint and frederick wiseman who are 90 years old and still passionate about the art of movie making whatever i think about the movies and actually you know i did see the 3d movie godard made and i have to say for whatever you know problems or whatever it feels almost ridiculous to like i feel like i'm almost getting trapped by godard by criticizing him like i am <laughs> i feel like it's like he that's what he wants me to do and i'm, I'm not gonna fall for it godard you know but that movie there was stuff in it that I, i've never seen in any movie specifically one thing where he he made one of the 3d eyes focus on another image so he created like a lizard effect on your eyes or one eye is seeing one thing and the other it feels like your brain is splitting open i've never seen that before so uh i'll give him credit for that that was pretty that was pretty cool um but i don't know that's all i really have to say about him yeah i i I mean obviously like i'm tongue-in-cheek rest in peace um just because i didn't understand the movies doesn't mean that I had any experience or ability to make a movie like that. So uh, credit where credit's due, you know, uh, I'm just, just trying to outrage people for fun. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And I got to say, Cameron, your reaction was worth it. But uh, what, <laughs> what, have, what have you been watching, Cameron? What have you been watching this week? So um, I told you I started rewatching Breaking Bad, um, which is just oh. fantastic. It's just an uh, amazing show. Um, it really is. I, I, you know, it, it's been 
a few years. I think maybe the last time I watched it was with you, Juzo, um, back in college. But yeah, we watched um, the last four episodes together. Yeah, that was that was pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it 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 kind of lingers around in your mind, and it's obviously had sort of a a comeback on on like Twitter and in sort of meme culture. Um, it's it's st- certainly still relevant, but watching it again, I mean, I was just so um, just just happy with how um, well paced the show is and how um, just inc- incredibly complex and and deep a lot of the the themes and and the ideas are in it. It's it's really a spe- spectacular show. Um, and then I uh, have also been watching a show called Barry. Um, starring he mm. uh he directs it too but Bill Hader um and this this show is really really good i'm like super surprised cuz i had i had like kind of, not low expectations people had told me it was good but i didn't really know what to to think i guess um and yeah honestly it is like it's fantastic it's so funny um such a sort of lighthearted take on many of the the sort of <laughs> themes that we kind of talk about in uh in you know in Fincher films and whatnot um you know this mm. sort of like uh you know maybe like uh violence and tendencies towards violence and that that kind of thing um but also it's, it gets very serious and it has uh, a really great balance of being you know not too farcical uh but just enough to 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 make you laugh and then still keep sort of the dramatic uh tone you know it still has weight and and it sort of has that punchiness to it um so i'd i'd highly recommend barry they're you know 30 minute episodes so uh they go by really fast um and i just finished season two yesterday so it's it's been a lot of fun um Mm. and yeah i would recommend that show yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. Cool, I, Juzo. What have what what have you have you, what have you watched, Juzo? Oh, can I just ask Aaron one thing? I, I you might have mentioned this on a previous episode, but did you watch All Better Call Saul? I Cameron? I haven't watched this last season. Oh, you you um, haven't? Yet. Okay, okay. Just curious. I haven't watched, but I've I, I, I watched I'm, everything up to up to the last season. So okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just curious because I've I've heard a lot of good things about the last uh, last season. But in terms of myself, I've been watching. I've I've seen a number of, of good things lately. Uh, I'll throw out just a couple things just as recommendations that I don't think you guys have seen. One is um, George Miller's film, The Witches of Eastwick, just a delightful sort of fantasy comedy film that actually has a lot of sort of foreshadowing to Fury Road and a lot of the feminist aspect of that movie, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, the other is Little Odessa, which is the first film by James Gray, which I actually I think I like more than the other James Gray, the recent two films we saw together, Cameron. And um, just a, a very interesting uh, 90s crime drama that is a lot less stylized, a lot more kind of realistic, almost like The Irishman or something for the 90s. Mm. So I really enjoyed those. Um, oh, and also me and my dad went and saw Jaws in IMAX, which obviously was mm. a, a, amazing and delightful. And that movie holds up beautifully. Um, but the movies I really wanted to just briefly touch on were... Uh, because I know Cameron or both of you have seen them. Uh, one is the movie Ambulance by Michael Bay. I just saw. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, Isaac, did you see this? No, I, I know I saw the ads, but I did not see it. No, 
I, this is so this is my first Michael Bay film. I've never seen. I think my dad put on Transformers once and I told him to turn it off. Um, when this is like when I was younger and more annoying. Um, but I thought Ambulance was pretty solid. I thought it was it was way too long. It probably should have been 40 minutes short. Yeah. And <laughs> but I thought the action filmmaking <laughs> at its best was quite good. I th- he's not quite as co- like I get what people say it's incoherent or it's not he's not as tight as a Nolan or Spielberg or Miller, but there's some of that stuff he's doing with the drones and there's parts where he throws drones off of like skyscrapers and they go jetting down a building like Superman. I've never seen anything like that in a movie. There's also they, they go under cars, you know, he got some like 19 year old like drone whiz to do this. And I was just blown away by that <laughs> aspect of it. I thought Gyllenhaal was phenomenal in the movie. I mean, they were both really good and I actually believe them as brothers. Um, it's so over the top. It's so melodramatic and it's so <laughs> stupid. But yeah. it was it was very entertaining and very, very uh, for that sort of movie. I found it quite enjoyable. Also, Aza Gonzalez. I'd never, you know, she's in Baby Driver. I, you know, I, I don't know if I've really seen her in anything that showcased her as well as this, where she's really kind of the hero of the movie. And um, I'd also I got the sense it was like Bay's. <laughs> And I say this in ignorance because I've never seen his other movies, but I, I, it feels like it's like his interstellar. It's his movie where he's he's like <laughs> pouring his heart out and he's telling this like Olympian, almost like biblical story of two brothers and this brother being like, you know, going through this redemption through a baptism of fire. But like in the dumb guy, like Michael Bay aesthetic, um, because it has these like really big emotional uh, moments in it and and really sort of a melodramatic quality and also just like huge, huge spectacle, huge scale. Um, and so in the same way where you, it's like, that was Nolan's movie where it's like Nolan showing you his heart. This feels a little bit like whatever Bay's version of that is. Um, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a Pearl Harbor is that, I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, but anyway, I enjoyed it. Were you pretty positive on it, Cameron? Well, I, I said the movie is confusing to me because there's there's so many parts that really do have um, sort of like a brilliance to it or, or like some some um, visual quality that that is like it like it captures the imagination. You know, it's really um, some parts are really spectacularly well done, but it's mm. it's like littered with with terrible things at the same time, you know? So like, so every, every couple of minutes you're like, wow, that was really interesting. And, and like a great scene. And then it'll be like backed with something that's just utter tripe. I mean, it's just terrible, <laughs> you know? I mean, and, there, there's and so some horrible like, <laughs> lines and I don't know. Yeah. The, the, Gags I mean, stuff. the dialogue and like, even some of the visuals are really, are really pretty ugly. Um, and, and like, t- not in like a, a like a cool ugly way, just like a <laughs> ew, you know, distracting <laughs> ugly way. Um, but but to to me, I mean, it was it's just a funny example of how like you want him to get you know when you have like an actor or like someone you're like you're like man, this guy he could be so good if he only had like a really killer like acting coach or something. You know what I mean? I I oh, we, I think sure. Michael Bay needs a needs like a directing coach <laughs> he mm-hmm. needs like well, I'd love to he see... needs someone who's <laughs> who's, who's really good play, at, you know? at yeah. 
yeah, it was really good at at sort of you know action and like um, focusing him. You know, he needs someone who's who's there to to do that, and um, I just want him to <laughs> just want him to to be a little more focused. <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely see that, and I I think um, I could imagine a version of this movie that's tighter. It's like ninety five minutes. And yeah, I actually don't mind some of the dumb lines. Some of that stuff was making me laugh, but, you know, dial it back a little bit. Uh, in a way, I like the f- certain things are over the top. And I like that, you know, like Hall can give this performance that's like 150 percent insane, like over the top. But it fits because the aesthetic of the movie is is at that level. Um, I don't know. It's It's like barely good in some ways, but I was. <laughs> In just the experience of watching it, or a, lot, a number of there's just a lot of really good sequences in it. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to mention is I, I watched Clockwork Orange for the first time um, a couple days ago, and was sort mm. of curious. Like my reaction to that was a little bit curious because it was not. I didn't find it particularly strong. Obviously, there's parts in it that are disturbing, and I don't think I was shocked by them just because I. They're either you know about them in culture or you've seen them already, even if you haven't seen the whole movie. And also, I just you go into the movie with people telling you for, you know, 20 years how horrifying it is. So it's like I was sort of preparing myself for for the worst. Um, But I found it sort of it's a very odd movie in terms of like structure. It's another movie where there is a really, really over the top um, as uh, over the top like tone to the movie and then the performances match that kind of tone like there are some actors in the movie that are insanely over the top and in a, sometimes very funny like that drill sergeant or or his his uh, parole officer the like super british guy um it was, it's just very it's a very strange movie and i found myself I, I liked it but i was not i don't know it's a little bit like how i feel about 2001 like i respect it a little bit more than i enjoyed it i guess um but I don't know. I haven't listened to your guys' podcast about it, so I I, I didn't. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what your guys' take on it was, but it was um, certainly something interesting to grapple with. Yeah, I think honestly that episode of the show was one of the most like convicting conversations. I thought um, because the movie is sort of designed to leave you feel kind of torn up. You know, there's the horrific elements uh, or disturbing elements, probably. Is the best way to putting it, it sure. and it's something you you don't want to see on screen, and it definitely like impacted me. But mm-hmm. the second part of the conversation is primarily based around kind of theological topics about free will, and you know, mm-hmm. honestly, f- fairly religious conversation. You know, um, mm-hmm. it kind of reflecting on it, it reminds me of. Because I do think that the movie has some truth about it with, you know, you know, I would say like vile and evil action meeting justice and correction around that. Right. Like there there is something that kind of reminds me of sort of a Dark Ages um, mural in a Catholic church. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that, um, but like there's something just really like I never ever wanted to see that. Uh, and it's kind of horrifying, but it's clearly saying a lot about like morality and like, it's, it's very strongly, uh, saying that. So again, I, my, my take on it was like, 
I didn't really want to watch that. I didn't really need to watch that. I don't think a lot of people needed to watch that. And I do think that the movie requires extensive consideration for what it's trying to say, if you're going to get something out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of, I mean, you and Cameron both reflect and think on movies. A lot of people do not. Um, I think you can watch movies by Michael Bay and just kind of take them at face value. But I also believe that you can take movies like The Dark Knight and Mad Max and honestly, even the movie we watch today at face value and not uh, extract the depths that the movie has to offer. Whereas Mm -hmm. A Clockwork Orange, I think, is very much like... If you watch that and you're not practicing that extraction, then it is really a worthless movie in my mind. Um, mm. Well, I don't, for me, it, it, oh, go ahead. I, I, I do, I do feel like it's trying to challenge the viewer. And if you're not going to participate in that, then why are you watching it? You know, that's kind of that's mm-hmm. especially how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. No, for I, for me, I found it was interesting because you say that because there, there were, at first there was a part of it that I was enjoying, enjoying in quotes, but like. I was, I, but I was enjoying the, the filmic aspect of it, kind of on its own terms, not really thinking much about it. Just, it almost, to me, it was like a music video because there, there's this Beethoven mm. music, all this music that I love. And just seeing this like insane, like almost psychedelic montage of this action was kind of thrilling. And even as you're horrified by it, it's an interesting co- co- um, concoction of different emotions. And then it felt like as the film went on, it became a little bit more didactic and it became a little bit more like it was um, like writ large. Here are these ideas we want want to bring up, especially the last scene of the movie. It felt like in case you didn't get it, here's how you can see the corruption and all this sort of thing of what's really going on here. Um, In fact, I thought the thing that was most daring about the film was not the stuff that it showed, but it was the fact that it's making you like root for state sanctioned like brainwashing and like for like the the reduction of a human beings free will like all these sort of things that it's it it's taking the worst possible it's like when Herzog made the movie about the death penalty he wanted to examine the immorality of it but he's like I'm going to take the case that's the worst possible one so it's not like you're you're, you you this if you if you are pro death penalty this is the best possible reason for it and in the case of clockwork orange watching this guy alex and all the things he does and showing you all these things and rubbing your face in it you really are like rooting for him to be tortured at a certain point um and and making the audience almost complicit in that kind of sadism is a very interesting thing but it felt like as the film went on a little bit it's like he was uh, I mean, it's weird. I don't think Kubrick is self-protective or care to audiences think, but I did feel like it was a little bit, he was dialing back um, the aspect of letting the audience decide what they think about it and making sure the audience understands what to take away from it, which I think is not the case with like 2001 where he leaves things a little more ambiguous. I don't know. I This is all a little bit unconstructed thought. I, it's like a movie I need to see again, but it's like, you don't really like, it's like two and a half hours of misery. Like you don't really want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, but, but I definitely need to watch it again at some point. So anyway, well, all, all the power to you, Juzo. We are running a little <laughs> bit long on uh, <laughs> what we've been watching, but I'll yeah, spew sorry, a few, a few things and then um, intro us into info about the Patreon. But no, uh, thank you for sharing Juzo. No, I didn't mind you sharing it at all. I watched, let me see, 
I watched the Elvis movie, the new Elvis movie. Mm. And um, I guess Juliana's a big fan of Elvis. I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, there, the, the only thing I really hated about the movie was kind of the structure. Like Tom Hanks is wearing a bunch of makeup in it and is being like this uh, abusive manager. And it's really, it's very annoying, if I'm being honest. Like from the opening moments, like I, I was super irritated by it. But... um Whoever the lead was, uh, he's like either a Nickelodeon or Disney actor or whatnot. Um, I feel it? like oh. he 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 really captured um, the Elvis like feel on stage, and they show they they do this thing that's really interesting where they kind of like splice some of the footage of him playing uh, in real life on a very few moments, and then they show a lot of the f- scenes that they recreated, and it's very faithful to some of the scenes that you see. I do think the movie is kind of uh, picked a side on how Elvis's life played out, and you know that's fine. Um, but I I don't know like biopic movies they don't interest me so much. But for some reason I found myself sort of engaged in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't care at all about <laughs> about the Elvis biopic. So to watch it and kind of find some enjoyment, I would say that's a, that's a positive. And hmm. uh, I've been I I continue to watch Rings of Power with Glenn. Nothing to say. Uh, still waiting for something to kind of happen. <laughs> well, how, how many episodes? Sure. How many episodes? Uh, I've watched uh, the four that are out at this time. So you so. watched four episodes in a your ringing, What's a happening? A ringing endorsement. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not really. I just that there are small bits that hook you in character-wise, which is, I was saying I was pretty afraid that they weren't going to have anything. Um, the most compelling relationship is uh, between Elrond and a dwarf friend of his that um, have a broken friendship and they're trying to work through that. And I'm like, wow, who would have known? Like relationships in, in TV is like actually exciting. Everyone else is just like the darkness is brewing and we have to go to war. And you're just like, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't know. It's. Yeah, it's it's a little bland um so far, but I I would I need to go I need to see Ambulance. Um I I'm just going to mm. say it, you know. I think Michael Bay pretty cool. <laughs> I I like him. Uh I think he's uh I I think he, you know, he makes dumpster fires, but so what, you know? Like he seems to have fun with it. Everyone's mad, but he's having fun. And most of the people that go see his movies are having fun. And I think he should do a Fast and Furious movie because why not? Uh, oh, think, it would be better than should... the ones they make. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I think he. I think he would be really good at making a lot of different movies that are like big blockbusters. Um, I still uh, think the first Transformers is awesome. I loved that movie when I watched it in middle school, and uh, I I think. I don't know, like this, it, like the monster fighting downtown end scene, like in that movie where the Transformers are flying through buildings and stuff. It's gr- it's awesome. I think it's so much fun. Um, I'm, I'm curious to and check so it out. Now I guess you, ambulance. M- m- <laughs> most people are going. Well, I I would say the first Transformers is extremely racist and has poor humor in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that some of the action as a middle schooler, I was like, this is 
this is great. Like I, I found it really fun to watch the robots smash each other. So, you know, I, people are like, you can't say that, but then they're like, I like Godzilla. I'm like, it's kind of the same thing in my, in my mind. Like it's, it, there's really not much going on. They're just big things punching each other. And I think cars turning into robots is more exciting than a dinosaur shooting laser at the sky. So, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get some benefits. Check it out there. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can give us a rating, share the show, all that stuff. Helps our small production. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, talk about movies, especially Fincher. And I just want to shout out Darren. Uh, Darren texted me this week. Darren, you're awesome. I can't believe he's been our producer for this long. So we appreciate you, Darren. Um for the support and uh, your abusive leadership. So uh, <laughs> we are going to continue with our review of uh, the social network. Cameron, give us some uh, context. Yeah. So social network uh, came out in 2010. This is technically not after Zodiac. Um, we skipped uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button uh, because Isaac s- said it was too scary for him, um, which, you know, is a take, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he, um, Fincher, you know, goes on to make kind of a, this is, I would say, a departure from his usual movies in some ways. Um, you know, he's kind of known for doing crime and more violent movies, uh, things like that. Obviously, Benjamin Button is, uh, neither of those things, but, you know, with, with that aside, um, and this is, uh, kind of a, uh, I would say a, a, a simple premise of a, of a biopic. And honestly, one that if you read the, if you read sort of the, the, tagline you know you're like oh it's about the story of mark zuckerberg getting sued by former partners you're like that sounds boring <laughs> that sounds really and that boring. was the reaction a lot of people had at the time i remember yeah yeah and um but you know to be fair um he's partnering up with who i think probably is one of the better writing partners for someone like fincher aaron sorkin who I have kind of a mixed relationship with, um, in that I like, uh, I like plenty of his stuff, um, and I really dislike plenty of his stuff. I'm I'm very uh, <laughs> I'm I'm split on him in 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 some ways, but I think I think his overall writing style, you know, he has this sort of flamboyant way of writing characters and dialogue, and it, it's very um, not not melodramatic, I would say, but it it definitely has a a sort of um, Sorkin-esque quality, you know, it's very, um, it's stylized, stylized. Dialogue. It's, it's almost like old Hollywood style, you know, it's yeah. like Hawks or like one of these like screwball, very heightened, uh, style of, uh, dialogue, which is pretty unusual for, uh, but less funny modern it, movies, more, more drama and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and mm. Sorkin, you know, he's, he's, I would say he's somewhat polarizing in that, some people really like that style, um, and some people find it really grating. But the reason why I say he's he's a great writing partner for someone like Fincher is that um, Fincher has a, a kind of an uncanny ability of turning people, turning characters, I guess, from a normal, uh, you know, audience perspective, someone who who kind of is um, maybe unsavory in some ways and and making them um 
a little bit more interesting. And then he also has the the ability to do the opposite with characters who are, um, you know, you're supposed to kind of root for and you're supposed to like and making them like a little bit off and a little bit uh, um, kind of uh, they they trip your sort of red flags in your in your brain. Um, and a lot mm. of Fincher's characters do that. And so for mm. me, it's a great balance between sort of the flamboyant um, way that Sorkin writes his dialogue and the uh, the very uh, precise way that that uh, Fincher directs. So this is kind of a match made in heaven to me, even though looking at it and on the surface, all of the pieces are like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Fincher is making a a bio a, like a modern biopic about um the facebook founder and it's like it's like five years after the events you know and you're like what like what's happening you know like it doesn't mm. seem like it would it would make sense at all um but in my mind this is one of definitely one of fincher's best movies um i don't i don't know what it is about it but it's immediately um it draws you in 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 such a such a unique way um and that all of that sort of uh you know there's there's like this cognitive dissonance of you being like wait this should be boring you know what i mean and it's it's totally not he he makes a way of um driving those sort of dramatic points um driving that that drama and the story forward in such a unique way that I think maybe only Fincher could do. Um, and it's such a great example of his skill. And as he grows as a filmmaker, as he gets more um, experience, he becomes more and more technical and more and more skilled in sort of what makes him great. Um, and fo and focused, I would say. This is like maybe Fincher's most focused movie um, that he's ever made. Um and I don't know. That's that's kind of my my preamble a little bit. Um, Isaac, I do want to hear what you think about it, only because I can imagine this would be like a very boring concept to you, <laughs> personally. Yeah, this is probably like the least interesting movie that I I wanted to watch. Like I was like, I have zero desire to watch a movie about Facebook or the starting of Facebook. I don't care. I I see Facebook. I'm I live in the Bay Area. I'm tired of of Facebook, you know. I think I I think what's difficult about this film is that it's like it's it's just a thing that people have kind of learned to be tired of, you know. Um and you don't have to be from the Bay Area to feel that way. I feel like just a lot of people are like, "Man, this is in the news, sketchy privacy, just tired of of that, and somehow I'm still stuck on it, and I'm exhausted mm -hmm. from it all, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know, like, I, I, with Zodiac, I was excited for that, and then to hear, like, Benjamin Button is after this, and then a social network, I'm like, okay, this is where, um, you know, Fincher becomes a boring director <laughs> this is where he doesn't like I, he's making obnoxiously slow like pieces about getting old or historical event i'm gonna make a you know a documentary drama or something like that um i was gravely wrong about this movie uh from the opening moments 
it hooks you in with, with you know, I, I, I think a, a scene that for me, I didn't love like all the writing in the opening moment. I was like, this kind of feels snappy and a little obnoxious, but it's, it's so lightning fast that it kind of feels like it's pulling you through it um, to kind of that, how, how it narratively sets up um, Mark Zuckerberg's character for him to walk across the campus and the, the pumping score that's kind of like uh, setting some strange, like, you know, emotions in you. I think this movie does a great job with anticipating your um, disdain for Facebook. And um, obviously, you know, Fincher explores some dystopian ideas, you know, <laughs> in in the past. And I wouldn't say in terms of like he made an apocalypse movie, but ideas in Fight Club, ideas in Seven about society crumbling and falling apart, right? Um, I think he was probably pretty early to the Facebook hate train. Um, and you can, mm-hmm. you can feel some of that in this movie. Uh, but what I found really unique about this film is that it is actually a really impressive deep dive of a creative's journey striving to make something, um, make something new, make something difficult, right? Uh, and what that does to someone. And and what I found so amazing is as I was watching it, I was like, you know what's weird is that I walked in thinking that Fincher was probably going to hate Mark Zuckerberg's character. Um, and instead, I feel like this movie does something where it's like, I felt like Fincher was saying, I hate that guy, and that guy is the same person that I see in the mirror. Uh, and, and I, and I was like Mm. kind of floored Mm. how that was my interpretation of the movie. Um, because you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be like really, I I, I thought it was kind of going to be a hit piece on Mark Zuckerberg, but early on with, um, Jesse Eisenberg charismatically talking about how the system is rigged and, you know, we have to be down and against, you know, uh, profits and, you know, capitalism. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is like early thoughts of Fincher with Fight Club and and these ideas um, that sparked a creativity in, in his uh, directorial debut and how creatives, when they are pinpoint on creating something, you, you always start that journey um, uh, sort of in a lonely place. You drag your friends into it then those friends becomes distanced and you're usually pulled into a crowd that's a little abusive or manipulative. And then at the end, you're just kind of alone uh, and you achieved what you wanted to do, but you're still alone and it feels like everybody hated you for making that thing. And I was just like, wow, what the heck? This movie took me to places I really <laughs> did not expect. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just, I was just honestly surprised the other thing is is that it's really easy today to be like hating on mark zuckerberg and i recently listened to the joe rogan interview with him um there's a lot of like people make fun of him he's like oh you know very very alien right um but the dude is like i don't think you can be normal and create something like facebook right i don't even know if you can necessarily be moral and create something like Facebook, right? Um, 
And I think the film's final line of dialogue uh, really captures something interesting about someone that could have easily been turned into the super villain of the story, the Joker moment, right? Um, and instead, it's kind of subtly laid out um, in a way that makes you start to reflect on your own, I guess, entrepreneurial desires or your own drive to accomplish something that is kind of your North Star in the coming years or something like that, right? Um, I I walked into this film being like, yeah, like Mark Zuckerberg, we're going to learn about how he's a monster. And instead, uh, I, I left the movie being like, I might be kind of like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and it's not to say, and I'm not saying that in a way where it's like, Oh, I'm going to create something that, that changes the world. And you know, I have a strange God complex from the very beginning or anything like that. I'm not, that's not what I'm comparing myself to. I'm comparing myself to that, that headspace of like, I'm going to, I'm going to create something and how that makes me, you know, maybe a, a little socially awkward or, it's going to rub some people the wrong way or it's going to isolate you in the end. Um, and yeah, I think uh, this is my favorite Fincher movie that I've seen, uh, hands down. Wow. Um, wow. And huh. I, I, I really loved Seven, but this movie, um, it genuinely surprised me. Juliana was very excited to watch it with me. I don't, I, you know, what's even weirder on, on, I guess on a more like normal note is that Juliana just thinks it's an interesting, entertaining movie. Like she didn't really pull any, like any of this stuff. Like we were talking afterwards and I was like, you know, I'm really thinking about this film. And she was like, well, save it for your podcast. Cause it's interesting, but I don't really care that much. About you have to say about it, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, and, uh, and I was like, well, but don't you think? And she was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, and so I, I think that's an even high, an, a higher compliment to this film is that you can kind of watch it at face value and kind of just be pulled through the experience and the credits roll and you're like, wow, I found that entertaining. Uh, oh, it's that is yeah, so I, I, I think it's just super surprising uh, for a movie with such a uh, I guess not not uninteresting, but like it almost feels it feels like on the outside like. Um, I don't know. Like I, uh, it feels like another biopic or something that I just am not going to care about. So, yeah, no, it seems like something would be incredibly dry and and dull. And I think what Fincher understands is that, which is I think is true about any of the best biopics, is that they have to be about something beyond just here is here we are telling the story of this important person or event. Because I think a lot of a lot of biopics sort of just lean on well, this is just inherently interesting because it's. Elvis to use our, you know, what movie we just talked about. But a lot of times they just feel like they're reciting uh, Wikipedia pages. I mean, uh, the movie about Dick Cheney was one of the worst offenders of this, even though I kind of enjoyed it. That movie is just like, here's a number here, just listing a bunch of things that happened. And here's what he did here or whatever. But at its core, it's like, is he really an interesting character in, in Vice? Not really. Is it really an interesting exploration? But a movie like this, and I think I think Amadeus is another movie I'd put in this category. I think partly because and these two movies, Social Network and Amadeus, um, are very loose to the facts. I don't think this is a very accurate or it's not a very um, true to the details of Mark Zuckerberg's life. I don't know if there's an Erica Albright or if that's the reason he created Facebook or any of these sort of things. But as a parable, as a 
metaphor, it's brilliant. And as an examination of his um, his character, and I, I like what you said about him being, um, you have to be kind of abnormal to create something like Facebook. I would say go a step further and say it's like Facebook is an extension of that abnormality. And that opening scene is about a person who's. I really think that opening scene is kind of um, maybe maybe like the most uh, the the scene or or sequence of film that most captures what it is to live in the 21st century. I, I don't know if it's the best scene of the 21st century, but it feels like that scene encapsulates so much about like where we are and what we're doing and how our behavior, especially online, is this sort of um, semi-malignant. I and mean, certainly the music makes it feel malignant, but semi-malignant extension of our social inabilities and our inability to connect with other people and our um, feeling of loneliness and feeling of kind of, of isolation and that sort of thing. And then it's like taking those things and pouring it into something. Uh, I mean, and, and it very ugly, especially him like writing on the blog. I also, that, that whole sequence. And, and again, those, that, that opening stretch of film, if you just watch it, is as entertaining as anything in Fincher's filmography, is as entertaining as anything action movie you could watch. The whole hacking sequence, his blogging, it's thrilling to watch. It's like Fincher almost going back to his music video like George Michael days. <laughs> it's, it's so just beautifully flows together. But at its core, it's it's about something kind of horrifying. I mean, I, to me, what it reminds me of almost is the, you know when the when the monkey picks up the bone in like 2001 and it's like they realize this can be used as a weapon it feels like it's like him like taking the tools at his disposal and like because and the internet being something that was very hopeful you know in the early when when it became more ubiquitous there was a sense of it being um something that was expansive and people would be able to have access to inner information and be able to connect people together and it was something you know, the information highway, something very, very hopeful. And here he is using it to hurt another person. And and, and most most impactfully in that, just that close, the, the shot that sticks with me most in that movie is the close-up of Rooney Mara, where she's reading the blog and she's like reacted to it. And that those like tears in her eyes is so powerful. Um, it's it's just an incredible, it's an incredible movie. And that's, that's just the first 15 minutes, you know. Yeah, well, and I was I was going to say an interesting sort of wrinkle in this movie is that um Isaac you kind of, you kind of mentioned it, but there there's a sense of um that this is like this is a movie fundamentally about sort of the falling out but of of best friends, you know, the falling out of people who um were, you know, so close um, and what, you know, what happened to sort of get in their way, um, and what mistakes, you know, they both made along the way. Um, and there, there is something inherently dramatic about that, you know, the idea of sort of, um, you know, betrayal maybe, and the sense of, of loss that you, you feel once you get to a certain, you know, place of success, um, you know, and, and, and then, you know, from Andrew Garfield's character's perspective, you know, seeing someone rise to such a high level that there's, you know, you, you, you feel like you've lost him, you know, you, you feel like you've lost a friend, um, because he's, he's, he's just grown away from you. Um, and there's something there's, I think 
to me, um, that's kind of the central um, dramatic thrust of the movie in a lot of ways is this tension between, um, you know, the basically just the falling out of of friends and and i think there is something inherently um filmic about that you know there's there's something that story is um is dramatic and has a sense of um you know deep loss and and you know pain and anguish in there um you know it's very like shakespearean in that way um i was a citizen kane also yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, you know, as much as, as you know, the concept of the idea, you know, sounds not very interesting, I think the execution of it is because Fincher and Sorkin both know that that's, that's sort of where you you, you get a, a narrative drive and a narrative thrust is these, you know, scenes that, that show these two people falling apart um, and, you know, wanting... Uh, different things for each other. Um, and as, as you know, as you mentioned, Jizo, a lot of it is, is fiction, obviously. I mean, m- much of it, unlike Zodiac, where he's kind of trying to be very strict to the, mm-hmm. to the cases mm-hmm. and, you know, be very precise about, about the facts. This movie is, is taking liberties left and right. And I think probably for good reason, because there is, probably nothing that interesting about um you know writing code <laughs> for for facebook mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. the, you need something a little bit more uh dramatic to make it to make it interesting and i i think that's okay um because it's it's still trying to to sort of get at the the central um you know get at the heart of the question of um you know how do you um how do you fit someone in 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 your life when, um, they've sort of, they've gone away, um, and, and gone to this much bigger, better place for themselves. Um, and you were the one, you know, helping them on their way, but now they don't need that anymore. Um, and and it's, there's something very, um, I don't know. I, I think there's something very, uh, relatable about that, that idea, that concept. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I I looked up kind of like what differentiated this movie from like the real story and there's a lot that I think is claimed to be not quite accurate. Um you know, uh Wardo is supposed to be more of the sympathetic character, but I guess in reality like he did he grew distant as well and that's not really explored. Um but I don't I don't know like it's yeah i i feel like and this is might be a weird way of putting it but i do feel like mark zuckerberg's character in this movie is actually more sympathetic than he is in real life <laughs> which oh which is uh, uh, yeah i think I mean, so absolutely um and so i think it's kind of weird to be like oh this movie is like it it paints me in the wrong way cuz i guess mark zuckerberg said oh this is not like accurate to what happened you know um, when I think in a nuanced sense, it, it actually like, sure. Okay. Obviously it's, it's not realistic, but, uh, it's too bad. He couldn't look on it with some sort of like rose tinted glasses. He's too concerned about it being like inaccurate to his image and, you know, 
I, 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 I think I'm I like, heard I heard he was almost bemused by it. Like he was almost like this is so like not the truth. This is just silly. And then he yeah. took, I think the one thing he took away from the movie was he, he decided that the apple teeny would become like the official drink of the Facebook corporation. But I don't think he was that. OK, that's cool. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I but like Mark Zuckerberg's opinion in this movie means like absolutely nothing to me. I mean, to me, this movie is so far beyond who he is in every way. Um, and by the way, Isaac, I love what you said about Fincher. This being like a confessional movie about Fincher. <laughs> I think it's that, so true. That I was I had all these ideas I was writing down, but that was something I did not think about. And I think you're 100 percent right. Um, and actually, I was looking at the behind the scenes of the movie and Fincher is he is a weird, like overly obsessive, like almost mentally ill person the way Zuckerberg is. Like he's looking at these scenes and they're not even like main scenes. They're like interstitial scenes, you know, like the montage of the kids on face masks. You know, these are shots that will last for, you know, two seconds. And he's like, the salt shaker needs to move a quarter of an inch this way. I need the table moving this way. Take that poster down. It's insane the way that guy's mind works. And it feels like that is... Except the only difference is the things that Fincher makes are an extension of his abnormalities, but the things he makes are have a positive influence on the world and are actually beautiful and wonderful. And Zuckerberg, not so much, but but it definitely is. And I, you, did, you get a sense of that in other things that Fincher's made. Like, I think Mindhunter is like a lot about that, too. Yeah. How this guy well, creates something that seems positive, but actually is kind of a little bit an extension of his sickness. Anyway, go ahead. I no, I t- I totally agree with that um, concept, but I think I think Fincher might be a little bit self aware of that as well. In that he, I think he does kind of know um, that <laughs> he has this weird uh, personality. I think he's not he, he he doesn't seem as sort of disconnected maybe as someone like uh, like Zuckerberg. Comes not not, not conversationally. No, he comes across very, he seems like a very cool, like intimidating kind of guy. You know? Yeah. Um, um, but, but with his, uh, with his sort of production style, and I would say, uh, you know, up to this point in the the movies that we've seen of Fincher, he's been shooting on film and he has been shooting a lot more than, mm-hmm. than most people. Um, but this is actually his first, uh, that we've seen his first foray into into digital filmmaking. He shot on a on a red one, you know, the original red camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the interesting part about that is that really sort of changed the way that he ended up filming for, the, for sort of the rest of his career. And he had been he'd been sort of on the pathway to to this like obsessive amount of like doing a hundred takes and whatnot, you know, he was, he was probably going to get there whether he switched to digital or not, but digital really allowed him to do that in a way that was way more feasible, um, way less costly. And it, it Mm -hmm. gave him sort of, it, it empowered him to be hyper obsessive. And I think you probably see it first crop up, um, in the, in this movie actually. Um, and, you know, there's there's kind of somewhat horror stories of, um, you know, that the first scene I think took a hundred takes, um, or ninety nine takes, or so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's it's like it's so he gets this sense of um, just this like compulsive sense of 
of, you know, repeating and doing, doing things over and over and over again. Um, and it's, it really, it, it absolutely mirrors, uh, the story of, of Zuckerberg in this film and that, you know, he's this sort of, um, hyper obsessive genius, um, who, is kind of one track minded um, and probably alienates a lot of people along the way who, who he works with. And I, th- I think you can probably see it um, a lot in, in the, the process of making this film, I think. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, this movie looks beautiful. There's like a tungsten orange hue to it that, um, maybe was almost overly aggressive because of the digital aspect where it feels very warm in his presentation. And um, maybe that's to counteract uh, the nature of digital cameras, but I don't think you can really even tell uh, (laughs) anymore. Like I, the fact that um, some movies are shot on IMAX and they look, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think if a director knows what they're doing with a camera, they can make anything look like anything at this point. Technology's at that, at that state. Um, Mm -hmm. I did want to talk about the few complaints that I did have. uh, And this is actually less of a complaint, but this is um, my favorite uh, Jesse Eisenberg role. I think. Yeah. Um, Mine too. I've always, (laughs) I've I've always been, Uh, pretty annoyed by his presence <laughs> on screen, and I think his he's he's he 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 balances everything perfectly in this film um, with being kind of quirky, weird, angry nerd. I think his outfits are per- like the the outfit department oh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just he's just icky and interesting and grumpy all at the same time, you know, um, and. Uh, he reminds me of nerds coding nerds that I know. Um, and, uh, he has way more charisma than the real (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg does too, which I was kind of like, boy, like that would be cool if, if Mark Zuckerberg had this kind of energy, um, he starts sparking like Lex Luthor (laughs) in the middle of his (laughs) interviews and stuff, you know, (laughs) like I just, yeah, I, I was pretty, uh, blown away by that and i i was kind of like well that doesn't feel exactly realistic and my other complaint is when they talk about going to palo alto they only use san francisco shots and i'm like come on guys like palo alto is not san francisco um but i I was a little surprised how little you see of palo alto at the movie maybe it's because i've i've been over there more often in the last few years but yeah it is funny how they it's not a very exterior other than that opening it's a lot of it's a very um, confined movie. You yeah. know, they, they, he shows like one exterior of the, you know, it's not the the, um, the pyramid in San Francisco when they're going to the club. But it's yeah. very, very um, there's not a lot of exterior stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, and I liked I liked the exterior stuff in this movie. I think that's what kind of had me wanting more of the uh, slow moving coffee shop Palo Alto energy in it. Um it's slow. It's it's like a sleepy. Uh, the best way to describe it is it's a sleepy um, kind of neighborhood full of super rich geniuses that all wake up at five a.m. and hustle till uh, eleven. You know, like 
it's it's a very strange uh, place, and I think there's a lot of character you could have captured there, um, mm-hmm. or or at least maybe sections of Mountain View or, or things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I I think there's a lot of character in the Bay that could be explored outside of San Francisco, um, and I was hoping that this movie would dig a little bit into that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention because we were talking about the opening. Was sort of the portrayal of elite college society that I thought was very cleverly represented with um, these like beautiful, like beautiful architectures and like it feels like a in, some incredibly smart people are are stuck sitting around thinking about uh, how to do anything else besides school, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, and it, I just, I think it, it, it balances and, and criticizes, um, elite schools in a way that isn't quite like in your face, but it does it in a, in a very, um, I, I think it's extremely stylish in the way that it, it, it looks at, um, kind of these high-end school almost and almost classy and would you say yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's very it's like romantic and also dystopian i don't know like it, it's it's mm-hmm. uh very well uh well what i what i yeah. thought what i thought was kind of interesting about um about it, you know rewatching it this time and i never noticed it but um you know the first half of the movie is very um sort of it you know harvard is like the world in this movie you know it's like mm-hmm. it starts off as like this is the biggest place ever you know i i have to impress the the elites and you know i have to get into the to the falcon club or whatever and it and it's like it has whatever it's called what is it called phoenix <laughs> phoenix, club, phoenix whatever um i have you know it's it's like the the his mindset is focused around sort of impressing the people who are immediately around him and then once um once the movie kind of goes on the more and more ridiculous that kind of seems and the more he's he's like totally um, annoyed almost by the, by like how kind of childish the, uh, the, the college, you know, elite thing is. And, and as his sort of profile grows in, in a a worldwide or, you know, countrywide sense, he, he gets more and more distanced from the, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the elitism of the school and it kind of just fades away from the movie. And even the, the, the Winklevoss twins, um, you know, their, their lives are sort of wrapped up in, uh, Harvard and in, you know, impressing, you know, the, the people at Harvard. Um, and they, they feel like they're sort of cemented in that world. Whereas, you know, Zuckerberg, he, he, he breaks out of it in a way that, that is like, you guys are so not important to me anymore. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the I can't even believe that I was you know, worried about, uh, what you guys think I'm like, you know, on different continents now, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, and the, the interesting part about that is it, it's never said, or, you know, it doesn't have a, um, a place necessarily in, in the role, but, but thematic or, you know, in, in sort of the script or anything. Um, but thematically, you know, it, it feels very, um, organic, you know, he, he's, he's commenting on it by, by replacing, 
Harvard with, uh, you know, the, the tech elites and sort of Silicon Valley and, and just, just kind of mm-hmm. moving away from, from Harvard as its own, um, mm-hmm. you know, indictment of it. Yeah. And it's very old money, new money kind of dichotomy yeah. going on there. And, and it's definitely, uh, encapsulated in the strategy the Winklevoss twins use, which is to like work within the system and <laughs> like use their family's lawyer yeah. and, you know, try to invoke the Harvard student handbook and talk to the president of Harvard in this ancient building that's older than the United States of America. I, by the way, that scene is, is phenomenal so where they talk to that guy. That, that has got to be one of the best one scene performances. <laughs> the pre- Larry, Larry, the guy who plays Larry Summers. Mm-hmm. I think he's like Gary Oldman's producer or something like that. He's not even really an actor, but that guy, the, the, the snideness and <laughs> condescension and of, of power that guy has over them is so beautifully played by uh, Douglas Urbanski, that actor, and um, and the in the indignance, the, like righteous indignation of of these two, yeah, uh, you know, these two wealthy twins, and and uh, the sort of entitlement of the two of them um, is just great. And I love just all the sequences of them getting increasingly pissed off and Divya <laughs> bursting into the room with more bad news. Yeah, They're just cracking yeah, me up. yeah. Um, <laughs> And Army Hammer is very, I mean, I know he's sort of a persona non grata, but he is, he is very good as the two, uh, the two twins. Yeah. Well, that, that was one thing I wanted to mention, Isaac. I know we kind of talked about it last week about, um, Fincher's hidden ability to, um, use technology and, and sort of hide it in the background of, of so many scenes. Um, and the, the Winklevoss twins are a perfect example of this because it's one of the, it's a, it's a very early example of sort of face replacement technology in movies. Um, you know, he's kind of on the bleeding edge of that and it, it, you don't even notice. It's like, it's like super impressive, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like how he does that. Um, but I, I just, sorry, what were you, you going to say? Oh, I was, I was going to say, I've, I've, I've started to see it a little bit. Because now I've I've seen the movie enough times that I can now recognize which of the Winklevoss is actually the <laughs> stand-in actor, which is actually Josh Pence, because his ears are different. And there's certain scenes where you're like, uh, it looks a little weird. Um, but I don't know. It's pretty hard. To, I mean, Isaac, I'm guessing you didn't notice anything CGI or too weird about the twins. It's pretty seamless. I think. Yeah, no. Also, it's edited. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it right now, and it's it does look really weird looking at it on picture but like i would have never guessed i just thought they were very mm-hmm. very similar looking uh people or i thought they were real brothers or something so um, no just one guy yeah yeah I mean, no it, it it's cool it, i i really like their performance they have a it's weird cuz they're serious and they're angry but they do bring a little bit of um comedy you know definitely, to it definitely. they're 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 like they feel like a light heart. Every time you see them on screen, you're like, Oh, this is going to be good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Andrew Garfield as well in the movie is, I think he's great in it. Um, unbelievable. Yeah. I feel like his role, you can, you can see his, like, you can feel his potential in business. You know, you can feel like he's, He's actually an investor and a partner that you would want to work with, mm. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. In 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 the film, and um, he, it it runs away from him, right? And you're frustrated with him, and you can feel like the friendship and the love that's there. 
between these two guys. Um, but it's like there's just there's stuff in the way. You well, know? And, and it's it's interesting because he he definitely cares about the project, you know, and he's he's sort of on board um, in like a personal connection way. Um, and and there's sort of this righteous indignation with um, Justin Timberlake's character, uh, you know, where, where, you know, Eduardo, he's like, why are you even bringing this guy in? He's like, he, you know, he doesn't contribute anything. Um, but really, I mean, that's, that's not true. And, and sort of it's, you know, Eduardo is, is the business school attitude. You know, he has this sort of prim and proper sense of doing things the right way and we got to advertise and mm-hmm. we have to, you know, we have to make money, cash in, cash out, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, Sean Parker is sort of the, uh, the devil on on Zuckerberg's shoulder, being like, "Well, you know, we could we that's let's not do that. You know, let's do it the new way, the uh, you know the Silicon Valley way, and we'll borrow the money, and you know everything will be great." And and he, in some ways, he he actually does have a point there in that that's the successful strategy for Facebook. You know, he he really does. Um, contribute something pretty impactful. And I, I want to say, um, shout out to Justin Timberlake in this movie. He has never struck me as like an amazing actor or anything like that. And, and this is kind of at the height of Justin Timberlake solo career fame, you know, which is, which is crazy to think about it, but you know, he was, he was putting out solo albums around this time. He was like, you know, doing this, this whole thing. Um, and, this this was like kind of out of the blue casting choice, I would say. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's interesting has... in the movie because everyone else is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say he has he has the he has a very uncanny ability to play someone with um, just like tons of confidence um, and this swagger that's kind of not really backed up by anything. And you can kind of tell, but, uh, but he just, he sells it so effortlessly. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think he's, he's excellent. And, you know, you would think that he would sort of overshadow the, the cast in some ways, but he really fades into his character. Um, and you know, you, you don't, you don't even see him as, as Justin Timberlake anymore. It's, it's a great, um, great performance and a great role for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the yeah, whole was, time I was like, "Is that Michael Fassbender?" Like, I was so confused, <laughs> like who it was. And then when I found out it was Justin Timberlake, I was like, "Wow!" I was I'm very floor. I was just very, very floored by it. So, yeah, it was, it's sort of interesting casting because he's not. He's kind of the only um, at the time, really the only really famous person in the cast. There's a lot of people who became really famous but were not i mean eisenberg had been in like adventureland which by the way if you don't like eisenberg that's the one Zombieland. i recommend isaac I, no Adventureland. well Zombieland's pretty good but adventureland is is really um i did I, I did like Zombieland. Movie. i have not seen adventureland though yeah but you know these a lot of you know andrew garfield is you know now is a huge movie star he's spider-man and everything but back then i don't think he was as well known so sort of bringing in timberlake it's like it, he brings with him this sort of uh feeling of him being the most important person in the room in the movie like it, it, he exudes that uh, characteristic within the film i think is really great and i think um 
Yeah. Garfield also is just he should have been he probably should have won the Oscar. Honestly, he was like so incredible in this movie and really kind of the heart of the movie, you know, and um, I think is a great he's a great foil to Mark in the way he's or to Eisenberg in the way he's he's feels like the more normal guy. And like by extension of that, he has less of the sort of four dimensional way of thinking that that Zuckerberg has and also is, you know, more handsome you, you could see this sort of like the seeds of jealousy that zuckerberg might have even if just subconsciously you know and all this whole stuff about him getting punched by the phoenix and the whole thing with the chicken is just such a great thing and it's so great when it comes back at the end of the movie uh, when they when they you planted that story about the yeah. chicken that whole thing is like so good yeah the the end kind of encounter in the office is so um you're just so invested. I remember we paused the movie at the hour mark. And I was like, man, this movie's two hours. Like, how much more of this do we got? <laughs> and I felt like the last hour I blinked and it was just gone. Mm. I was like, whoa. Like, it really um, it really picks up the pace and the drama. And you're just, um, you, you move, again, like you were saying, Cameron, you kind of fade away from, um, fancy universities and the rules and the bubble that you're in with that. Um, and it, it like, it's like life is moving, you know, the startup culture mm-hmm. starts to kick in. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I One found this movie to be, um, very like, like I really thought that I was going to be like, wow, what an interesting story about Facebook and how all that stuff came together. But, Instead, I found myself really reflecting on um, kind of like sacrifice to build something, kind of the mindset that you have to have to embark on like a, a journey of something creative and and kind of the, the 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 way that like risk is thrown about in like like almost like zero regard for risk and a hundred percent driven by passion. Um, and, and like believing in, in that, um, I, I tend to lean towards, um, just in, in my own like professional work, I lean towards like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for like perfectionism. I'm always like, why do it if it's not going to work? You know, why do it if, if it's just a waste of time, uh, which is very anti the dream sort of thing, but there's something kind of OCD about that. Um, and I'm usually also with that stuck in a position of v- very grounded perspective. And I think what I found interesting about this movie is I was thinking about sort of like my own stance of being like very skeptical and also very stuck in like perfectionism is that this movie was like, or, or Zuckerberg's like creative drive in in his work is like very like um, not skeptical of his ability, but extremely like stuck on like perfection as well, right? He was like he's very big in 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 the dream and the vision, um, but he's also like um, stuck in in perfection and kind of how that cocktail brews, I guess conflict and and issues and and social like um like distancing and i think the way that it closes uh, that ending statement is really what i want to dig into at the end of this this 
podcast is like um, when uh, that lady from the office <laughs> says like you're not you're not an asshole, uh, but you're trying to be one, right? Uh, I I just found that to be like whoa, like what a wake up um, moment at the at the end of the movie, and for it to kind of just hang on that. Uh, also, adding like another layer of complexity where he's like. He doesn't really have a reaction and he's just like kind of obsessively staring at his own creation, you know, and and still longing for that uh, love relationship that that did him wrong. Right. Like there's just so much uh, to eat in the in those last few scenes. Um, I'm, I'm still I'm still digging through this movie, but I don't know, Juzo, like I guess I'll throw it to you, like the ending of the movie, like. How does it make you feel after watching it a bunch of times? I mean, I'm I'm still uh, thinking about it. I mean, when when it, that line came this time around, um, I mean, I was thinking about how, for one thing, I don't think if you made the movie today rather than 12 years ago, I don't. I feel like it would have felt almost too charitable to Zuckerberg. Like I think the <laughs> idea about him is a little bit more negative nowadays. Um, mm. It's it's definitely and that idea, and and the way she says it, it's definitely something said in kind of, um, in an open-hearted sort of way, and in a kind of um, like a hope that he can regain some of that sort of humanity, I guess. Um, but also, it's just a sort of to me it underlined what so much of the movie was about about how the sort of. Um, the nature of these people in the movie as sympathetic as they often are, I think um, is, is built around kind of an aspiration to be a certain kind of certain kind of asshole, I guess, and certain kind of, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like about, it's less about being an asshole than like caring about how that people see you in a certain way, especially the whole thing with the Sean Parker character. I was thinking about that scene where he, he had, brings him in the bathrobe and he's, he says, I'm CEO, bitch, that whole <laughs> thing or whatever. It's just like such a kind of superficial vision of coolness and being an asshole um, and being sort of, you know, having this sort of status. Um, and it's sort of like, what is this? What does this all mean? Like, to what end is is this? You know, and I feel I feel that especially when um, Zuckerberg, after he's basically destroyed his friendship with um eduardo he is sitting alone in his office in his massive empire he's created and he pulls out that little business card that says i'm ceo bitch and something that to him when he probably conceived of it was like so cool and so amazing and it feels so hollow and it feels so meaningless um and and almost kind of embarrassing yeah you know yeah well, and I, and really at the core, you know, it's like, I mean, it is a lot of like the Citizen Kane sort of thing, which is like the accumulation of all this thing. And you can realize and have the luck and ingenuity and talent to build something so enormous and bring yourself so much wealth and accomplishment and status. But at the core, there's still this hollow thing, whether it's a girl you lost or a friendship you destroyed or just that you know that that feeling of of being alone in the world is it'll never go away completely um but can't remember well, what you I, said. I was just gonna say um you know it 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 really 
um, it highlights the sort of two different worldviews that, you know, Sean Parker and Eduardo have, um, but between sort of how they, how they treat other people. And, and, you know, like I was saying about sort of, um, the, the different attitudes and, and how Eduardo is sort of the old style of, you know, do things the right way and, and be, um, you know, be a good business partner and, you know, treat people well and stuff. Um, you know, the whole, um, the other side of that keeps getting them more and more rewards, you know, and, and, you know, when, mm. after he goes in and, and, um, you know, in the bathrobe for that meeting, like, I think that gets him another, um, like, you know, more seed money basically is, and it's like, it's so weird. It's like, it's, I mean, it's not weird. It's, it's sort of the point in some ways of pitting those two characters against, against each other. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, he, the more and more success he gets, the more and more he gets rewarded for being, um, the, you know, the asshole. And, um, mm-hmm. with that line, that, that final, um, you know, that final saying, it's like, he, he doesn't, um, he doesn't actually really even want to be, uh, you know, he, 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 he's not really that guy, um, maybe just in his worst moments, um, and in things that he's, he's not proud of, um, but, but that's what's getting him success and what's getting him further in the world. So he has to, you know, keep putting on those shoes basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it made me consider like some of those the ideas around fame and i think everybody everybody knows this but it's hard not to like want fame or big accomplishment or recognition for things that you're doing um they can really ruin people uh or ruin relationships in people and i always think about like the different interviews that you like i i i read this article about the day in the day in the life of like tim cook and uh mm-hmm. I read it and I was like, I would never want to do that. Like that is like, it sounds horrible. Like he wakes up at like six or 5 AM and does an hour of emails and then into his, you know, uh, blended green juice, uh, workout. Uh, and he's in the office by, um, you know, like 8 AM meetings till seven, uh, and he goes home and does more emails till nine, and then uh, he wakes up and does it again. Uh, he's like, it, it's almost like a prison. Like he's like strictly stuck in this lifestyle, you know. Um, and it's isolating, right? I just think, I don't know. I I think there's something. Um, there's just there's something about it. There's like a there's an incredible warning with it, and. Um, there's a part of me that's like, there's got to be a way that you can find that insp- inspirational work, that drive uh, for something like creative and fulfilling and not lose all the things around you with it. Or you need to be very conscious mm-hmm. of that. And I, I my, fa- my favorite thing about this movie with the journey around that is how uh, terrible characters can ruin the friendships around you. Um, how you have to be careful who you surround yourself with. Even if they are bringing you in success, there's manipulation, there's um, negative 
impacts on your life with certain people. Uh, and you have to have the wisdom to identify that. And, um, yeah, I think, I think the scenes with the California house and everything, like it is cringy. Like it is like (laughs) juvenile, uh, when you're watching it, you're like, this is, this isn't that cool that there's an old guy here telling these guys to code. He's not even working. Mm -hmm. Like everyone else there is like, Mm -hmm. uh, working and having a fun time. Um, but, like it's just it's it's very strange. And now to think about uh, where Facebook is today, not saying that they <laughs> were having those crazy house parties and whatnot, but if you're self-employed and whatnot, like you can you can kind of have those loose rules. There's no HR or anything like that. Uh, you can have unhealthy work environments uh, and justify them because no one's telling you what to do. Like to look at them now, this mega corporation that probably has tons of HR structure and. Um, very, you know, interesting uh, office life and stuff. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's it's interesting. Um, even if this movie isn't necessarily true, it's just like, it has me in this state of reflection that I really did not expect from it. So, um, honestly, highest praise, and I, I recommend this movie to a lot of people that don't have interest in it. Um, Juzo, closing thoughts, recommendations? Oh, I mean, absolutely would recommend and and don't be put off by if you hate Mark Zuckerberg or you don't care about Facebook. None of that matters. It's not really about those things. I barely even consider it. I always when I talk about the movie, I, I talk about as Mark, the character in the movie. You know, it's a totally separate. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Um, I think um, I don't know if there's anything else I want to say. The one other thing that just struck me watching it this time around um, more so than other times was. Um, I just was noticing like sort of the dispassion of of the certain certain subtle things the characters do because they show the characters being assholes in I think more subtle ways than I think a lot of movies portray them in like the Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. You know, one moment that I was really struck me was where Timberlake is on. It's actually Dakota Johnson, like one of her first roles. You know, him at Stanford, and she's taking a shower, and he wants to ask her about Facebook and he tells her there's a snake in the room. So she comes <laughs> running out and talking to him. And at that moment, I mean, I've seen this movie, you know, 10 times, but it really struck me this time. Like this guy, this guy is so privileged, so entitled. He can't walk 10 feet to just go to the shower and say, Hey, Dakota Johnson, you know, he has to, he's like, okay, I'm going to like scare her and make her possibly trip and fall, whatever. <laughs> And just but throughout the movie, there were things like that I was just noticing, like a lot of the the aspect of the way the characters interact with women, I thought was another thing, like where mm. they have the the girls who um, they meet at the Bill Gates talk, I think, they, they, you know, uh, Christy, you know, and her friend, Christy and Alice, they they come to the meeting and Zuckerberg is he's, he's doling out assignments to all the his roommates. You have to do this, Billy, you have to do this, whatever, <laughs> yeah. Dustin. And then they're like, what can we do? He's like, I know. <laughs> Nothing. He's like so disinterested. Other than them, you know, filleting them in the in the uh, bathroom, Zuckerberg has no interest in these people as human beings. And same with the Victoria's Secret models, you know. And it feels like yes, you could say this is just the movie, you know, focusing on the characters and being. But I felt like I was just noticing this sort of subtle, um, just sort of disinterest in people, and and not just women the employees of the company as well. This whole thing of like, he's wired in, you can't talk to him. He can't do anything else. He's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like dehumanizing, you know? And, um, I just was noticing that sort of aspect of, of 
the behavior of the main or at least you know zuckerberg and sean parker and the and the way uh, that they the um that they select their intern you know they have this uh drunken coding competition <laughs> where you know the right. the first one to <laughs> to to get to the, you know a certain point uh w- wins basically and it's like this this sort of um it is kind of like the college hazing attitude of um yeah and and i think that's that's actually another sort of brilliant reason why the pitting pitting you know harvard against the you know silicon valley tech world works really well thematically and is is so interesting in this uh in this movie is because it feels like the you know silicon valley is kind of just an extension of college the immaturity the sort of um awkwardness around women and maybe the the way that they use sort of status and success to to gain women um and mm-hmm. and then oh, just yeah, the whole opening you know also. just this yeah. hazing mentality and this this way you treat each other as as kind of just um just a thing that you're you're stuck with almost um uh, yeah it, mm-hmm. it, it feels like the movie's talking a little bit about that that sort of graduation from college or you know this extension from college as being this sort of um you know maybe irreverent place um and bringing that out into into the real world and into the attitudes of the real world and there maybe even is something to the aspect of how in the beginning of the movie when they're creating face match and it's really sort of juvenile and a nasty thing to do but there is you ha- I think I I don't know if this is intentional but it feels like there's there is at least a sense of camaraderie to those like five guys were in a dorm room, we're getting drunk together and we're like goofing off doing this thing to the then the sort of cold antiseptic quality of the work that they're doing on Facebook and the sort of loneliness of it as the film goes on. It's like something that starts out as something that's more more social, more active, more uh, sort of friendly becomes something a little bit less so. Um, yeah. Um Anything else? The only thing I just note is just that I think we mentioned the score is just phenomenal. Mm. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. I think this is their first film score um, and the one they Oscar for it. And then the other thing is just the, the way the film, the rhythm of the film and how exciting a film about guys in depositions is and the way he's cutting back and forth in, in time is so it's just peerless. There's nothing. There's no one else who could make something that except maybe Spielberg. I don't know. But the 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 cross cutting of of those depositions. I really, by the way, love the attorneys for each of the three uh, characters. I, I think they're all three of them are great. Um, but the the way those sequences all are pieced together, and the and then the way the music sometimes drives them and drives them, and and um, and then the the hammer that comes down where they bring back that theme from the opening when they're listing the different uh what were his shares diluted down to what were his shares diluted down to and then they go 0.03 percent is just it's one of the great moments in any modern movie it's just Mm. magnificent um i was gonna say uh with the point about depositions 
um, this is what I do like every day now. <laughs> and, that's and right. It's that's so right. funny because oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, wow, they uh, they are not very interesting. Um, let me just tell you, <laughs> yeah, this is very yeah. much no, a dramatized sure. version of what this is. Also, also the weird thing is, you know, in a real deposition, and you have to do this for the movie. I understand this isn't a criticism at all, but in a real deposition, mm-hmm. for one, I mean, okay. The plaintiff and the defendant can be there sometimes, um, but they're not really allowed to speak. You know, the only people who are allowed to speak are the the lawyers who's asking the question, the objecting attorney who's, you know, defending the the person who's, you know, being asked the question, questions and the witness. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's those, those are the only people who can speak. And the the defending lawyer basically has to shut up most of the time unless he's he's actively making an objection so there's like there's no there's no crosstalk or anything like that this is <laughs> completely mm-hmm. fictionalized uh but i just find but it this, funny yeah sorkin's gotta have that kind yeah, of uh, oh, yeah. overlap 100%. or whatever um Cameron, uh, final recommendations for you Cameron? oh it's Anything? a it's a great it's a great great movie it really is and um I know we talked about it a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago with Panic Room. Um, this is absolutely Fincher's most accessible movie um, by far, and I would say it's not only accessible hmm. in in the um, sort of traditional sense in that it's an entertaining movie and it means a lot, and you can p- pick away things, but kind of just on the surface, um, it's it's enjoyable and fun and entertaining. Um, but it it also has uh, this this really dynamic sense of of flow and of character, um, and it it kind of just locks you in. Um, and there's no there's no violence or anything like that, you know. So people are, are turned off by by that kind of thing. The, the Henley Regatta rowing scene, is, yeah, yeah, is, uh, <laughs> not too much blood in that. Um, it's pretty exciting though. But but you know, but if someone wants to sort of dip their toes into Fincher without, um, you know jumping all the way in this is this is such a good place to start because it it has a it has everything that fincher does almost to a t um and none Mm. of the things that people maybe would get turned off by you know him doing so um i I think this was my first fincher movie actually and i would have said it was my favorite until recently i have to say my seven rewatch i was like uh i think it's i think it's seven yeah but um but this is I, this I, I is think I could swing film. depending on the day. It just depends. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. hands down masterpieces for sure. And I do really think what I said earlier about this being like the definitive movie, it's not my favorite or the best, but the definitive movie about like modern America and like our modern times, the 21st century. This really might be it. And and it's a real achievement because so many movies that are made that are about like we want to make a movie about where we are now. They end up being like, you know, like Adam McKay, like don't look up. They be end up being, you know, movies that age like spilled mm-hmm. milk. And this is a movie that 12 years later is about subjects no one cares about, but it still is completely timeless and compl- and it will be timeless, I think, 50 years yeah. from now. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a hell of an achievement. Did you guys get nostalgic at all for OG Facebook? Because I kind of was like, dang, <laughs> I, I, I was like, this is. Wow, you know, statuses and text posts. <laughs> wow, they're about to add pictures. Yeah. Man. I never really was on it. Um, OG. I probably use Facebook more now than I've ever have because I'm on this Facebook group from my Mick LaSalle class. 
Um, but I don't know. My fr- I had a few friends who were on it, but not really. That no much. advertising. I love I love I love the Facebook. Uh, well, I do a lot of Facebook advertising with the company that I do, but I love uh, the marketplace because there's a bunch of old people that don't know how to price things. I'm oh like, yeah, that really is true. Actually, I I did re-download Facebook recently because I it, I just didn't have it on my phone for for a long time, um, specifically because of Facebook Marketplace. It actually. You can find some some weird stuff on it. I like Craigslist a little bit better, but um, it's it's a it's a it's a good resource, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to wrap up the episode just because we're hitting an hour thirty here. We're just about there. But uh, Juzo, thank you for joining us. Of course, bringing your insight with it, and Cameron, what a great uh, collection of films it's been with Fincher. You know, October's coming up, Cameron. I feel I feel a little spooked. We're going back to horror what month. What are we what are Ooh. we doing in a, in September though? Well, should this, we should we just start horror? No, month no, no. Next, we're finishing week? out we're finishing out Fincher. We gotta we have I think one or two more we gotta watch. Oh which so one are you gonna do, Cameron? I, I haven't decided yet. I, I I still have to think about it. I think I kind of do want to revisit Gone Girl. I know we've both watched it, um, Isaac. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anything it's been a long time. It's it's been a long time for me, and I I, I feel like it's. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's time. And then we were talking about girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, Oh yeah. yeah. And so I think we can do, we could do that next and then do gone girl after that and kind of close that out with, with those two. Um, if that sounds good to you. Yeah. Sounds great. Very good. Well, we, we, I'm excited to watch them. We post every Tuesday. We appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, I feel like I have to apologize uh, for Darren for throwing him under the bus as a joke. Uh, Darren is not abusive. No, so he's we, a great American. <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate Darren a lot. Um, and he is, of course, our uh, executive producer. So shout out to Darren again. Two times in one show. I'm, I can't believe it. Is it because I'm trying to manipulate him for a massive hedge fund investment? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Darren, I uh, mean, that, we, you heard? Uh, did we talk about MacBooks on the on the show, or was that in the pre-show? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I got this idea for a startup. <laughs> Just hear me out. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.